The following podcast is work safe. Gaming. Board Gaming. You can even game while you're on the can. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another breakout bonus level from We Talk Games. Our name is our address. Go to wetalkgames.com and be part of that social community. It's huge in meaning that it's tiny in comparison to our listener footprint, which is sad. But we want to hear from you, and it's a great community. Become part of that now. You can log in with any one of your zillion social media logins, like Facebook and Twitter and those things. Even your live ID that you use for your Xbox, if you have one of those, and it's not uh, the Red Ring of Death. Now you can log in to We Talk Games and still have fun talking about games. On the line with me, Jade. Jaden, thanks uh, for being back again. Surprised I could make it. Yes, after all that Pokemaning. Oh boy, with the Poke and the Mon and the yeah, Jello and the pudding. Pokemons. And we'll talk about that. Here is another bobble dedicated to portable gaming. So much portable gaming now. I think uh, you know. I, I don't know any numbers. I'm just making it up. But my educated guess is, personally, just speaking completely anecdotal. I play far more portable games than I do on any of my consoles. Simply because you can't take your console in the bathroom. Well, I, I've actually made uh, an amenities to uh, have that happen. Okay, I that's call- just awesome. I need to get around to doing that then. <laughs> yeah, it's my uh, pot-a-play, I call it. I just made that up. But, you know, it, it's, it's becoming so huge. Now, we talked a lot with Kyle last week about uh, the Nintendo DS and the PSP and, of course, the Game Boy Advance, which is so incredibly relevant to today's youth. But as... Hey, hey, no, no downing on the Game Boy Advance. I have Game Boy buttons tattooed on my thumbs because I love that system so much. It's such a great system. Yes. Uh, I had the light kit built into my original one, remember, before they had lights. Oh, God, yeah. I I remember the four AA batteries that went into my first one. Right, and the Micro. I have that in the uh, Famicom edition, which is a a treasured piece as well. My bragging points is I have a Mother 3 Micro. Whoa! I had to import that from Japan, and it was worth every penny. Yeah, mine was imported as well, and... uh, it had a lot of pennies involved uh, too. I'm sure you're stick, but Mother yeah. Three that that's uh, that's that is some. I bet that fetches a pretty penny on eBay now. I don't care. It's not going anywhere. Okay. Well, before we geek out too much, I think we got a lot of good iPod and iPad games to talk about. But before we do that, we can we would be remiss in not talking about the uh, big deal that came out Sunday. And that is the Pokemon Black and White. Now, uh, I didn't jump on a bandwagon here, but I know that you are the Pokenut. Yeah, you could call me a Pokemaniac. Is that what they're called? It would be very apropos. How much did you play this on release day? Oh, boy. I think I got in nine hours on the day it came out. Yeah, that was the pain? Yeah, I blew out my, my bad hand pretty badly about four hours in, but still couldn't stop playing. Now, of course, you haven't caught them all then. No, no. I'm I'm still struggling with that. I think they've got something like 700 now. I know that normally the colors are just completely ambiguous, but is there anything to do with this black and white? Does it have anything to do with choices you make in a game or anything like that? I think the, the breakdown on the color scheme is uh, 
that the legendary Pokemon on the black version is all white, and the legendary Pokemon on the white version is all black. Oh, I see, I see. There, there's no, like, team white and team black like they do on the normal splits like you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's got another team. I'm struggling to remember their name right now, but they want to liberate everyone's Pokemon. So we've got uh, essentially Team PETA, <laughs> which is uh, really strange. Yeah, that's really neat. So, so they're like the Pokemon Liberation Front or something. I think that might be actually what they call themselves. Wow. Yeah, because they, they keep screaming liberation every time I see them. I see. They've done a lot of really, really cool stuff with this game. And there's, there's just two things that stand out that really make it better than all the previous versions. And it's essentially a, a big gap that was fixed and a new feature. The big gap, you can now use a TM as many times as you want. Okay. So, so like you beat a gym leader and they give you this really cool move. And it's like the first gym leader. You don't have to save it to the end of the game and maybe put it on something. You can put it on all four of your Pokemon right off the bat. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then still have it later if you want it again. Uh-huh. And then the really cool new feature is three-on-three battles. So a lot more strategy goes into those than the two-on-two, so it's a lot more challenging. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm waiting to see uh, if this is going to be like uh, Razor Blades, where they keep adding one more every time. Yeah. Ah, Let's shelf that for a while. I'm sure that uh, next time we talk to you, you'll be through the game like five or six times. Now, do you need a friend to unlock the other side, or is how does that work? Do you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they've got quite a few that you can't get otherwise, but I own two DSs, and I've got silver, gold, uh, diamond, pearl, and platinum, and then all the Game Boy ones as well. So I can trade myself anything I'm missing. I uh, gotcha. And, but this doesn't come with a pedometer? No, no, this is just the game. There's nothing, like, kitschy about it. It's just, here's Pokemon, have fun. Now, Pokemon's not really a role-playing game, but it's sort of like, it has role-playing game elements, definitely. And it has the card battler elements. So I guess it's like a card battling role-playing games with animals. Well, it reminds me more of the role-playing games I played back in the NES and Super NES days, which are the ones I miss. I don't like all this, I have to go as quickly as possible because if i look away from the screen you're gonna kill me by taking an extra turn type rpgs gotcha it's like i I just want to go turn based i can set it down and walk away if the phone rings just stuff like that right on well last week i had mentioned east one and two coming to the psp and finally uh, back in pixelated glory and i got a chance to delve into it a little bit more but i really want to talk about the great role-playing games that are available for the psp and uh one that i came out last year sort of more indie on the indie side is cladoon this is an rpg just like the name says it is definitely an rpg and it's presented in that um, new pixel type of art homage type of presentation it's very self-aware the characters in it will say things like your main characters and your backup characters or your supporting characters and things like this and uh, like right in the very opening it says we are now adults in video games that means we're 16 very funny very humorous uh the the main character the heroine is named pudding so you know it's going to be good right away this game is a sort of a dungeon crawler type of game but the dungeons are only going to take you maybe 40 seconds maybe two three minutes at the most 
And there's a lot of chatter that goes on, a lot of talking, but that's the charm of it. And you also have to be strategic in this. You, As you meet new people, you put them in your magic circle. And your magic circle is this, um, it's, a, it's like a cross layout with two circles on each part of the cross. So you strategically place your supporting characters uh, in those positions and there's different types of power-ups you could give them and things like this so when you go through the dungeon uh, there's also little neat twists that happen like uh, a charging bull and you try to make him charge at you so he breaks blocks open or there's also dull weapons that can break blocks open and things like this and it's only one character that goes into the dungeon at a time and then when you come out this magic portal this magic door you go in the same door and you get transported to a different dungeon so it's it's all very simplistic as to uh, the area that you you're used to and the very funny part of it is as soon as you come through the door it's just you putting and your friend can't remember his name now let's just call him adol because uh, ease is on my mind and uh, you can decide to go through this tree and it says, are you sure you want to go through here? Because then you'll just go right to the ending. And there's probably stuff to do in this world that you're in right now. If you do go through the tree, you, <laughs> you go right to the ending. It's very, uh, I've never seen it done ever before in a role-playing game. And the credits roll and everything. So make sure you, and even warns you, make sure you save before you go through here. Because, you know, you're going to really go to the ending. And you do. That that reminds me of the caterpillar and labyrinth. If you'd gone that way, you would have gone straight to the castle. <laughs> right. That that is ah, uh, what a great movie. What well, there probably was a game of that, but it probably stunk so bad that uh, it's buried and no one recalls it. Also, remember, uh, Lunar is out. Lunar Silver Star Harmony. Now, if you were a fan of the working design release on this on the Sega CD, as I was, one still one of my favorite. I think my favorite role-playing games were Lunar and East 1 and 2, and uh, even 3 and 4. I loved uh, those. I had to import those. I think 3, I can't recall. One of them was a side-scrolling version, which uh, people pooped on, which I liked as well. But like where everybody else was into the Final Fantasies and the Fantasy Stars, I was uh, interested in the East and the Lunars. So Lunar Silver Star Harmony, it's a, at this time it came out by Game Arts, and it's just a remake of a Silver Star Harmony that you had on the Sega CD. They also already did a remake of it on the PS1, but now it's uh, remade. It's really smoothed out pixel art, but still looks like hand-drawn art. You know, it's not polygons. It's still a great story, and it still holds up today. Uh, they also redid some of the voice acting, which uh, I never really cared for the original voice acting, and I don't really care for this voice acting. There is a lot of voice. I also wanted to mention East 1 and 2. It is fantastic. The hand-drawn pixel art, the new score that I already mentioned. A lot of grinding. That's what East was about. You grind, you grind, you grind, and you build up. But still, the funny bits that were in there, uh, like um, the first time you wake up, not really a spoiler alert, the first time you wake up, someone that will later become a comrade comes in, and the nurse starts coming in, and he goes, uh-oh, here she comes. Watch out, boys, she'll eat you up. So that's, uh, you know, references... <laughs> to uh, the time period that this game already came out. Uh, you can't go wrong, I think, with any of these. And uh, Cladoon also allows you to have the more arrangement music or the 8-bit music, so that's nice. And also turn on and off different types of uh, flashy effects that might happen throughout the game. And don't forget, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 both remade for the PSP, and they look great. And I, 
Didn't those come out remade for uh, for the uh, iPod as well? Yes, they did. Yeah, but of course, you know they'll they'll probably control a little bit better on the uh, the PSP. Um, now I only say that because Shining Force came out on the iPod, and I was really looking forward to this because I love this. But the controls are just so frustrating. I, I only got a few minutes in, and I just had to stop. I've got both of the Final Fantasy games, and I haven't had any trouble with them. That's cool. Great, great. Yeah, and don't they look fantastic? Yes, yeah. I believe they're actually the PSP versions. Oh, right, right. Gotcha. And they've actually got the third one coming out, which is a uh, port of the DS version. So, Cladoon is an action role-play game with the strategy elements. Lunar, Silver Star is, of course, turn-based. Uh, East 1 and 2 is your action RPG with the bump and hit. And you know what the Final Fantasies do. So what do we got on the uh, iPad and the iPod? Well, now that we're getting to the uh, the meat and potatoes of the stuff I like to talk about, I've got a lot of really good stuff for the iPhone since it's been so long since we've been able to get together and do one of these. Mm. First one, this is going to be my iOS game of the week. This is a big one right here. Starting and, off uh, big. Oh yeah, start off big and then, then finish small. That, that's how I like to go. <laughs> This one is on sale right now for $2.99. I don't know how long that's going to last, but it's a really big deal. It's called Infinity Blade. It sounds if you familiar. Haven't, if you haven't heard of it yet, I don't know how you've missed it. Infinity Blade has been this huge, like, it, it was called Project Sword. Mm. And uh, it was announced at a big Apple developer conference and had this tech demo you could download. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. It's the one that was made using the Unreal Engine. Yeah. The game just looks unbelievable. I, I mean, I didn't know these kind of graphics could translate so well to iOS. Oh, yeah. You ain't kidding. And it's, it's universal, so it'll play on the iPad, the iPhone, iPod Touch, all of them. And, you know, the, the controls look pretty simplistic. Like, uh, okay, you're just going to slash up, you're going to slash down, you're going to wait for this guy to die and things like that. But it, it's actually a little more involved than that. Yeah, they're they're simple to figure out, but they're really hard to master. What the game is is you're a sword swordsman. It's real like medieval-y type stuff. You're walking into a castle and you're sword fighting with the people you find in it. You can block with your shield. You can dodge their attacks. You can parry their attacks. And, and your key goal is to stop their attacks in the combo they're trying to get off. And then if you do. Based on how well you stop their combo, you get so long to hit a combo of your own. If you only block or dodge the last hit, you're only going to get to hit them once. If you use your shield the whole time, you're only going to get to hit them two times. If you dodge, you can get three. If you parry, you can get between four and six. Uh, so you've really got to work out how well you're going to be able to hit them. It's got a leveling up system where you make your character stronger as you go. There's tons and tons of weapons. Different parts of the castle to explore now with the latest update. Uh, and then the part that makes it really cool and the reason why it's called Infinity Blade, the story behind it is you're just this random guy walking through the castle trying to stop the tyranny of the God King. And once you finally get to him, he's going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and then he's going to steal your soul with the Infinity Blade. And then the screen cuts to black, and then you see a guy wearing the same armor up on the mountain outside the castle, and he says, Father, I will avenge you, like in whatever language the characters speak. Right. And you get to go through the castle as his son at whatever level you left off at. And you just go through generation after generation trying to make your way through the God King. 
And if you beat him, something really interesting happens, but the game will continue. Uh, I won't spoil that because obviously it's really cool and you'd want to see it yourself. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's got a lot to it and they keep adding more with uh, free updates, which is really wonderful. Yeah. I really cannot get enough of this. I've, I played the game until I completely unlocked everything. And then the next update just came out, I want to say about a week or two ago. And I'm already playing it again just to see all the new stuff they've added. Fantastic game. Which brings up something uh, uh, more of a complaint point. We haven't touched on that since uh, a few portable gamers ago. And that is what I had feared. And now we're on the release of the new, uh, tomorrow, the new iPad comes out. And uh, this is only going to lend more to what I've been seeing show up in the iTunes store recently, the App Store. And that is the system-specific games that are starting to show up. And there's no real metric in place uh, by Apple to recognize what device you're connecting to the App Store with. So you see a lot of people complaining, game won't open, game won't open. Now we've been used to that because most people are morons, they don't know, they have to just reboot their system every now and again. But now we're seeing it that people can't open because they have the first generation iPod Touch. And more and more of these games are coming out where it's developer has to, you know, disclaim on there because there's no real markings. I mean, all we have is the little star symbol if it works on both the iPad and the iPod. We're seeing more and more developers saying this only works on third generation iPod Touch or the iPad. And now with this new dual core <laughs> iPad and uh, beefed up graphics, there are going to be games that are going to be specific for that. So let's hope that Apple puts something in place so that you're not tempted with all these titles that you're never going to be able to open. Yeah, while fragmentation is a pretty big problem, there there are ways to avoid having issues with it. If you would simply read the description of the game before you buy it, the developer almost always lists in there if it's not going to work on certain devices. Right. I mean, if they don't, it's the developer's fault and not Apple's. Sure. And then also, if you look on the left side when you're purchasing an app in iTunes, it'll say what devices it works on. Okay. There is actually a spot for that. I, I do think fragmentation is an issue, and it's definitely getting worse and worse as the new devices come out. But a little bit of research on the, uh, the end of the purchaser goes a long way. You know, and that's another thing that we, I mean, it's been so long, we, we completely miss the whole Smurf debacle. Oh, God, the Smurfs. <laughs> now, number one, can we talk about Smurf real quickly? Uh, you got me hooked on the Ingmoco uh, games, the Wii Rule, the Wii Farm, the Wii City, and Chiz loves Adventure, what is it called? Adventure uh, Bay. Adventure Bay. She just can't get enough of that one. Because it's sort of like those freemium games, except that when you pick your, your crops, you get like other things besides earning loot for your crops come flopping out of them, like a, maybe a milkshake or a, a cord pineapple, and then you have to also pick those up. You can create a, an armada fleet of boats that go out treasure hunting as you unlock different characters and things like this and you build a little island so she really likes that but yeah it's, um, it's it's the same as the popularity of animal crossing sure sure uh, everyday but, mundane activities are really fun with a simple reward system on a video game with no consequences 
well put. And I think my favorite's probably We Farm. Uh, we City's been getting uh, more gimmicky with uh, giant robots and and uh, nuclear monsters and things like this. Uh, we Rule is still still a classic, still a standard, which is the one that you were uh, crazy about. And I still do the We Farm, the We Rule. Well, we do all of them. Uh, some we enjoy more than others. Others we're just compelled to do because it's so addicting. But I wanted to just bring up a little Easter egg that I don't know if you're even aware of. Now, this works on We Rule, We Farm, and We City. It does not work on Adventure Bay. But uh, if you take your iPod or your iPad while you have We Rule open and your little people are running around and your animals and things like this, hold the device above your head so that you're still looking at it. And when you tilt it up like that, all your characters will run around like maniacs. That is actually really funny. I need to try that. I just wish it worked on Adventure because there's a lot of interesting characters. Now, what does that do for you? Nothing. I mean, it doesn't speed up time. It doesn't do anything. It just is a little uh, funny thing that they built in with the accelerometer, I guess, just to see if they could. But let's talk about Smurfs. Uh, number one, uh, Capcom climbed on board with this franchise. And I don't know about you, but Smurfs is probably one of the most uninteresting games when it should be one of the funnest games. Uh, it looks gorgeous. The things that you plant are giant, so they're funny because Smurfs are little. But there's just not too much to do. It has mini games, so I thought, great, this is going to be like my cooking mom or something. But it's just not that fun. Uh, you're not a four-year-old, though. <laughs> I guess. And that's where the whole debacle... If you didn't know about this, uh, kids were charging up their, their parents' credit cards to a zillion dollars because they were like, I need more Smurf berries. Yeah, that that's the fun of uh, in-app purchases. I, I've never liked that gimmick. Well, here's the thing. It's like the kids had to ask the parents for the passwords. And the parents know that you put in your password because you're going to buy buy something or download something. Well, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know who to blame. But now Kyle just told me that his little sister charged up like a hundred bucks. She wanted new ice cream flavors or something in some other game. But uh, Apple was really good about it, and they refunded her money. Now I didn't expect that to happen at all. But I guess it, it can happen uh, to you know even people that are you know pretty bright in a noodle. Yeah, it's basically because any iOS device is going to hold the password in memory for, I think it's about 30 minutes or so. Right, that's after true you, too. After you input it. Yeah, that's true too. But I mean, I don't like that uh, falling out, which is what they're supposed to be doing with the next update to where it only lasts for about three minutes. Oh, is that going to happen? Ooh. Yeah, because that, that's annoying to me because I'm not having to worry about a child playing with my iPhone. Right. It'd be nice if it was an option where you could turn it on to where password has to be put in every time that would prevent the problem i think right so what do you think about smurfs not so great i guess i didn't even try it oh really to be perfectly honest wow and the other thing was at the when it was first released because you don't sign into it your ipad and your ipod versions were completely separate Oh, I hate games that do that when they're yeah. universal. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if they fix that. They have come out with a lot of updates. I mean, as soon as the whole uh, thing hit the CNN and everything else, Capcom immediately came out with uh, you know updates. They even give you free things that you can plant and stuff like this. So, you know, it gives you like one one penny uh, as opposed to you know five hundred or six hundred. But uh, there there are free bits to do in there. So, what else you got, man? I know you got a ton of stuff. Next one, nice little uh, 8-bit throwback piece called Karoshi. 
we've always got these old little 8-bit games where you run and jump and you get to the goal and you save the pretty girl. This one takes a much darker take on this. You're not trying to get to a goal, but you are running and jumping. You're a Japanese businessman who hates his life. Your goal is to kill yourself. My. This is like the end with Burt Reynolds and uh, Dom DeLuise. Yeah, yeah. I, I Just don't like know that. if I'd go that far. Except they're Japanese now. Yeah, yeah, they're Japanese, so no, no big bushy mustaches or anything. Let me ask you this. Are there rosary bleeds in it? Rosary bleeds? <laughs> rosary bleeds. That's a cannonball run uh, joke. So, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, your goal is to, to solve the puzzles to figure out how he can kill himself by jumping on spikes, setting yourself on fire. And, and something I thought was really funny, you can power yourself up in two different ways, which end up being four different ways you uh, think, start thinking creatively about it. If you walk past his boss, his boss yells at him and he gets depressed. It starts raining, which puts out any fire, but the clouds will kill all the flowers, turning them into spikes, and he can't jump as high. <laughs> if he walks past his wife, he gets really, really happy, but that makes the sun come out, all the spikes turn into flowers, and he can jump really, really high. Wow. Now, I see. now the way that, that morphs into two other things is if you kill his boss, he gets really happy. And if you kill his wife, he gets really sad. Those are the little puzzle elements that make this really interesting. So, how do you make uh, it all work so he can kill himself? It, it's just little tricks to, to make the level passable. There are little Goomba looking guys that you can spring off of or who you can let into certain parts of the level to. Uh, to set them on fire so they can walk over and set you on fire. Okay, so what is your goal? To get from A to B, or is it to kill yourself each level? Your goal is to kill yourself each level, to figure out how you can do it. (laughs) Okay, very good. And uh, I I will warn you, you cannot die by jumping off of something really high. I've tried it. But it's just a really bizarre little puzzle game. Uh, I think it cost me a dollar. I think it's 120 levels right now, and they keep updating it with more every so often. It's a game that keeps on giving. It's one of those ones you can set on the back of your phone. It doesn't take any memory. And just bust out every once in a while to uh, relieve some stress and get the little suicidal tendencies out of your system when you can't get that Diet Coke. (laughs) Hey, let's talk about another uh, Capcom game that was a license and it came out on the iPod. And I don't know if you tried this, the the Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill game. I saw it, but I haven't tried it. Yeah, you know, I I mean... (sighs) I thought it was going to be more like a toy. Remember those desktop toys? What happened to those? Nobody makes desktop toys anymore. Remember, you used to just shoot your computer screen with like a machine gun and would put bullet holes in it, or you could like throw a brick at it or a chainsaw, and it just did nothing except waste time. No, I don't remember anything like that. Yeah, they're, they're used to be called desktop toys. I guess people, may, I mean, the most that people make for their iPods is like, you know, fart box or something. Hey, we need to make something where it just hacks up your screen of your your device so it looks like you're destroying it for, for no reason. Uh, but uh, Mr. Bill came out, and this is just sort of like a, there's a story mode. Uh, it's Mr. Bill not being Mr. Bill at all. He's sort of being like Mr. Fly Around. You shoot him out of a cannon or you shoot him off a slingshot, and then you tap the screen anywhere to make him f- flap his arms and he can fly for short periods of time. You're trying to collect different things on that level. 
as you're uh, trying to avoid like spikes or flame breathing clowns or lions uh, you try to land on a seal's nose instead of his ball he uh, he like then throws you up higher and things like this and and you try to get to the finish line to meet with your girlfriend but I mean it's you know Mr. Hand is hardly there Sluggo is hardly there it's it really has little to do with the franchise I think it might be free. I don't know. But that, that uh, sounds as bad as the uh, Mr. Bean game on the DS. There was a Mr. Bean? Yeah, it don't don't play it. It's it's really that bad. <laughs> okay, so that's enough of that. Tell us about a good game. Uh, okay, well, I've got a uh, really good one. Uh, this one actually knocked uh, Angry Birds out of the top position for a few weeks. Really? Yes, it's called uh, Cut the Rope. Hmm. It's like a beautiful little puzzle game. Yeah. The way it starts out, it shows you a little cardboard box being dropped off at your front door. And when you uh, look at it, there's a little hole with two eyes peeking out at you. The opening falls over, and it's this little green monster-looking guy that's adorable. And it has a little note pinned to his collar that says, Feed me candy. When the game starts out, the whole goal is uh, you've got a piece of uh, little peppermint candy hanging from a rope. And you have to figure out how to cut the rope... So the candy falls in his mouth and you want to collect the three stars in the level on the way to get full credit for it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got things like if it falls within this little dotted circle, a new rope will attach to it off the little peg in the middle. You've got little things to blow it back and forth so it'll swing around. You've got bubbles that'll make it float up. You've got little spiders on ropes that'll try and walk out to the candy and steal it. it. makes you feel so bad when you drop it because of the face that little cute monster makes. I I hate losing a level because I feel so bad about it. It's just so rewarding. It's a game you can pick up and play for 30 seconds, or you can pick up and play for an hour if you really want to. The developers support it really well. It gets new levels pretty consistently about once a month. It's well worth, I think it's only a dollar which I'm amazed they're charging that little for it. But by that token, they did sell 3 million copies in the first uh, two weeks. Yeah, so they've definitely well made their game. investment back. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, the art style's great. Uh, it's, it's very original, really neat puzzler game. And it's a game made for iOS. It wouldn't work on any other video game system, and it just translates so beautifully on uh, the iPhone and the iPad. Yep. Speaking of uh, good titles, I I mentioned it, I don't know how many years ago on We Talk Games, but I had mentioned about uh, paddle games that I was going to talk about on a an episode of the Breakout Bonus Level. And uh, I have two. One that was released by Namco, and I was shocked to see it come out because we had already had Alex Noisy on from Gaijin Games, and talked about his bit trip series well little did i know that the ipad was getting bit trip beat the first in the bit trip series which is the paddle style game it's rhythm based paddle fun so i got this and i said you know this paddle game is probably not going to work very well on the ipad uh, because of the controls and i i think i mentioned just a tiny bit about it number one it is definitely bit trip beat on your ipad you can 
do a portable version a bit trippy to mentions wearing headphones so you get the full stereo effect which is just an amazing experience if you've never played this on the wii uh, definitely pick it up for your wii you're going to do yourself a favor uh, as a um uh, we were title on the iPad like I mentioned the control for moving the paddle up and down you have to be incredibly precise and so far we don't have that precision yet and the problem is sliding your finger up and down the entire height when you hold it in portrait mode of the iPad is not always the easiest thing because the iPad isn't a seamless edge. You have a bit of a frame around the iPad screen, the touch screen. So you don't always know where your thumb or your pointer finger is in space in relation to the very edge of the screen. And there's really no place for you to put your finger. The paddle is completely on the very left-hand side of the screen, and you have to watch the balls coming in from the right. So I usually put my finger on the right-hand side of the screen. So that means that my paddle's all the way on the left. But that kind of works. It's, it's no problem. It's just that you have to traverse the entire height of the screen quite often to catch the different uh, balls that are coming in from the right. It makes it very, very difficult. It's already a difficult game, but with the lack of spot-on precise controls, it makes it um, a little frustrating. Now, I did get further than I ever got on the Wii, but it wasn't for a lot of um, frustration along the way. I didn't get that frustration with the Wii version. Yeah, I had a big problem because they have no setting for people who have to play left-handed. Mm-hmm. So my only option is I cover up the paddle or I cover up the entire screen. Exactly. There's just no place, even for lefty or righty, there's just no place for you to put your finger on this game. And it's a, it's a shame. Now, if they would have maybe uh, uh, you know uh, trimmed the sides of the screen, made it so that you can adjust the height and width of the screen, uh, then we at least have some place to put our fingers. And i got to tell you, I think even if you would have to swipe your finger across the bottom, like lengthways uh, on the portrait mode, I think it would being really nothing for our brains to adjust to that, uh, you know, the, the paddle moving one way and our fingers moving the other. But let's talk about a game that works perfectly as a paddle game that you use with your finger input. And that is Arkanoid, probably undoubtedly one of everyone's favorite breakout style games. And this is also by our buddies at Taito. They made a great version of this. Now, your finger goes across the bottom, but it moves perfectly with the paddle. So you're, the paddle's like right above your finger all the time. So it makes great sense. And there's enough room for your finger below the paddle. When you want to use one of your super moves, you just tap on it, and it works great. It, it doesn't like take away from your ability to still be moving the paddle back and forth when you just have to give it a little tap. I think I had mentioned back then that I was going to mention one really great breakout style game and one that um, is great but needs a little bit of improvement on the the interface. I was actually thinking about putting Arkanoid in my list for this episode. That, that game really is good. And it has open faint interaction there, so you can play against your friends with open faint. And uh, I've been very happy with uh, the things that both Namco, I think, with their classic ones, and but especially I love the um, Space Invaders, just the regular Space Inv- Invaders HD, uh, which a lot of people pooped on. But I loved it that it just had that left and right button and your fire button. Oh, and also Infinity Gene came out. So now you finally have a native version of Space Invaders Infinity Gene on your iPad. That one's amazing. 
So good. So much good. Maybe I'll get my stinker out of the way now. Okay. Because you can't talk about games if you don't have a stinker because they do come out. And uh, this one falls squarely in the lap of Electronic Arts. Oh. They dropped a major, major bomb back in December. As you know, I talked about it a while back. Street Fighter 4 is absolutely unbelievably great for the iPhone. Sure. They took a fighting game and actually made it work. So when I found out EA was going to do Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, I got really excited because I've mm. always been a Mortal Kombat guy. I see. Like I never played Street Fighter in the arcade very much once Mortal Kombat came out. I found out this came out. I found out the day it was releasing. And I was sitting in iTunes refreshing every couple of minutes until it finally showed up. <laughs> I never heard of that. That is hilarious. Oh, man. When I, I, I want to get down on some Mortal Kombat. You don't get in my way. That, that's one of my big games right there. Gotcha. So it came out. It was, I think, $7 the night it came out. I downloaded it immediately and then sat down as soon as it was installed and started playing it. And, oh, Boy, was it bad. Uh, I've got a lot to say about this. Let's see. The fact that it has the special button controls, like uh, in Street Fighter, where you can push just that button or a direction on that button and get a special move. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't give you a list of what they are. You have to guess, and that includes fatalities. Mm -hmm. So you have no idea where to stand for each button press until you finally get it right. I see. Half the time when you hit someone with a move, it doesn't do anything. Half the time when you throw a move that shouldn't hit anything, it hits them no matter where they are on the screen. <laughs> Characters will teleport from one place to another like nothing happened. The worst is Motaro, one of the bosses, who just randomly appears places. And no matter where he's standing, he always hits you. I see. So there's no way to ever make it past Motaro. You'll never see Shao Kahn if you play this game. <laughs> the real messed up part in this entire thing is... Four or five days after EA released this, they dropped the price to a dollar. Oh, my. It was during that little December thing where they were trying to game the App Store where it shuts down for five days. So they could drop all their games to a dollar, watch them go up into the top ten list, and then raise the prices right before they freeze the App Store to where nothing can change. Right, right. Well, let me tell you, when they did drop them to 99, I bought just about everything that was in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bought a few things. Until I it realized that the game I just bought a couple days before had just dropped by 80-some percent. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of disheartening, no doubt about it. And then the real stinker is they never raised Mortal Kombat's price back up. They kept it at 99 cents. <laughs> and they uh, have yet to post an update. This oh, is March. Wow. This was in December. You've got a game that does not function. Wow. And there's still no update for it. It's also missing characters. It's got maybe one-third of the character list. Boo! And the fact that you have Katana and Jade, but not Melina, when it's just a character sprite change. Right. That's funny. So all you got to do is recolor the character. Yeah, as long oh. as you got Scorpion and Sub-Zero, that's all anyone cares about, I guess. You've got Scorpion and one of the Sub-Zeros, and you've, I think you've got Reptile. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a big but, difference, uh, too. It, the, the other thing is the graphics on it. You look at Street Fighter 4 and they got smart. They realized the iPhone may not have the processing power of a 360, so let's take our 3D graphics and turn them into 2D images right, right. and just animate it like we used to do back in the 16-bit era. Mm -hmm. And it looked beautiful. Well, I don't know what EA is uh, smoking here. I'm <laughs> thinking it's got some Smurf berries in it at this point. 
But uh, they decided to use full 3D rendered graphics for oh. the entire game, which slows it down and looks like absolute crap. Yeah. I mean, wasn't this the game that pioneered, hey, we're going to use pictures of people for our animation? And, and you know, that's really surprising. Back in the day? You know, EA is not, not really a slouch when it comes to uh, 3D animation on their games. Well, uh, I know that we, we have differing opinions on Mirror's Edge, but if you look at any of their Need for Speed titles, I mean, those are just, you know, amazing, outrageous. Yeah, exactly. I've got one of the Need for Speeds, and it looks beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, EA really dropped a bomb on this one, mm. and it it's bad. And it looks like they're going to abandon it and never update it or release a sequel or anything. Wow. Well, sorry you got ripped off on that. Apple gave me a refund when I told them what was wrong with it. Really? Oh, yeah. That is If you tell Apple a game is that bad, they'll look into it and refund it. Okay. All right. Especially when the app developer drops the price that quick. Right, right. That's a big warning sign of it's a scam. How about I do two more? I got a quick one and then a good one. Okay. I promised the developer I'd try and get to this one. I know everyone's played Words with Friends, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. There's a new Scrabble game that just came out that actually is a lot better than Words with Friends. Uh Uh-oh. It's called Kalimat. It's K-A-L-I-M-A-T. I I know it's kind of a weird word, so I thought I'd spell it. Same kind of concept. You play with your friends. It uses open faint for connecting with people, so you can keep a nice little friends list. You don't have to type them in every time. Right. It does random people, but it also oh. levels the playing field for... Uh, linguistically uh, challenged. Linguistically challenged. I like that. Okay. Um, people that... Uh, well, well, we suck at, at <laughs> Scrabble. Um, it, it's got a mode called Remix Mode, which is made for uh, people who aren't very good. It's got two really neat features in it. The first is it's time-based. If you're going to be one of these players that sits around for 20 minutes and tries to find the longest word possible, you're only going to get the points on the tiles. If you can get your word down really quickly, which is usually the short words, which people like me find, uh-huh. you get bonus points. At. Yeah, at. That, that one's worth quite a bit. <laughs> I think I posted the word poon the other day, which I don't even know what that means. It just, it worked. Sure. It, it'll tell you the definition if you oh, click on definition good. in that game. Oh, neat. Which I thought was a really good feature to add, because I would love to know what XI means, but I've never looked it up, but <laughs> everyone you? plays it and yes. works with friends. Exactly. I got like 80-some points for a four-letter word that should have only really gotten me maybe 20. Because you went uh, fast. Exactly, because I played it in like 20 seconds. And then the other thing is, somewhere on the board, I forget what the bonus tile is called because I haven't found one yet, but uh, if you land on this certain tile, you get like four or 500 points for your word. So uh-huh. it's, it's a little treasure <laughs> thing that you come across. Gotcha, gotcha. I've been in talks with the developer, and there's another mode that he may be making soon that makes it even easier for people like me to compete on an even playing field, but I can't really go into the details on it yet. Okay, okay. So th- that'll be in a future update. Fingers crossed. I'm really hoping because I really like it. Calumet's definitely uh, better than Words with Friends for people like me. Gotcha. Everyone was like all over the place about Final Fantasy 13, right? Mm-hmm. That was like yeah. the RPG for everyone. Right. Well, uh, our friends over at uh, Game Loft that make all the wonderful knockoff iOS games that are really good. Yeah have uh, brought Final Fantasy Thirteen to the iPhone, and it's called Eternal Legacy. Uh-huh. I think it's uh, $7, so it's it's a pricier iOS game, but mm. compared to $70 that Final Fantasy Thirteen was when it came out, um, I'll, I'll take the, the 90% off. <laughs> Same thing, it's uh, 
just a regular RPG where you can set your moves up in advance and it's all time-based, the kind of stuff I don't really like that much. But uh, the other characters control themselves. Uh, it's got a really good epic storyline. takes you probably, I think it's about 60 hours to finish. Mm. It's definitely a full RPG, 3D everything, like really well done, well thought out, and definitely worth the buck if you're into that kind of game. Right on, man. Hey, thanks for joining us for the breakout bonus level on the Portable Gaming, and we'll talk to you next time, Jay. My pleasure. Bye.